The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Jad Abu Maruf, who is the Chief Data Officer at Fulton Bank. Hi, Jad. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yes, welcome, Jad, and thanks for joining us today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Fulton Bank. Yeah, by my background, you know, I'm lucky to say that I had the fortune to have, you know, different life experiences. You know, it comes with my uh, love to travel and explore cultures and, you know, interacting with people, you know, throughout that journey, really, with every single interaction that I've had, every single experience, I felt that I was able to collect different pieces of information or data. And then really that helped me kind of form a little bit where, where I am today, both on uh, the personal level and, and at the career level. Interesting enough, when I think about that a little bit, I think a little bit about when I started, you know, my career as an intern, you know, from college, you know, working with CF, who was in love with data, and then all the, all these questions that threw at me to be able to answer, and then I reflect sometimes how much that influenced where I'm at today, because I don't think I've ever thought that I'm going to be in the data world at that point in my career, and I'm sure you know a lot of people in that space. Although now things are evolved, there's so many you know, degrees around data and analytics and, and all of that stuff and AI. But at that time, it just uh, it was a matter of a business question that they were based on data and then things evolved from there. But, you know, I would say I've been in this industry since then, probably around, you know, 17 years or so. I'm uh, lucky to be part of that journey. And it seems like, you know, it looks like I've chosen a good one based on where I'm at today. You know, really at that point, a lot of working with the CFO started with a lot of questions around how to create more better operation, you know, understanding your customer's behavior. And it was, it was interesting to reflect on that. That's in 2002 or 2003 around that time. And, and then these questions coming up, but also, you know, trying to understand all the mergers and acquisitions that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I reflect sometimes also on my visits to do due diligence with the companies we're acquiring and then looking at the data. And then, you know, I get many people asking me why you're looking at this information in this way. And I'll tell you that for me, that was like probably the best experience when people ask these questions that they were curious why I'm looking at this information because for them, they thought they were just going to look at the balance sheets. But, you know, why you're looking at our customer information, why you're looking at all that stuff. So they were full of curiosity and I love that. And I think for me, taking the time to explain to them was like very intriguing as well. And that helped me kind of begin to form a little bit where I am today in terms of being in the role that I am at, at, at this point. But, you know, that's in general, a little bit of background. And then you, my journey took me throughout different opportunities in my career, you know, from that point that really at each point I was given different transformational opportunities to, and a lot of it was centered around data and people and processes and technology. And then with every opportunity, you know, I took the people side first and then, you know, and laid out the strategy and then, you know, brought the right people to help me execute it on it. And then every opportunity led to more information, more knowledge, more experiences, and then, you know, helped me evolve to the next one. And here I am today. 
Yeah, well, that's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, you know, at Fulton Bank, you know, this has been very wonderful experience for me. I love our purpose as a bank, our purpose to be called changing lives for the better. And then people would question, like, change lives, are you in the medical field? But, you know, we're not, but we're really in the financial field, and a lot of people are attached to the financial matters. Who doesn't care about their financials? And then we help our customers focus and, you know, and then understand the value that they have with their financials and the opportunities to help them and then how that's going to impact their lives. You know, I just love that purpose. And then, you know, my goal is like, how can I, you know, continue, you know, since I started, how can I continue to help the data and the analytics help support our purpose as an organization? And, and really that's, kind of where the human side comes to the picture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's the really great insight. I really loved hearing the background of like sort of how you got into sort of where you're at and the passion for it, which is fantastic because I think people are starting to realize, I mean, the average person, you know, <laughs> the person you maybe see on the street, you may say like, you know, they're starting to realize the value of data. They're starting to realize the value of their own personal information. They're starting to be more aware of things like privacy. Obviously, things like around privacy and social media networks, they're making top headlines now. So people are really thinking about it. And I think you know people understand the value of it. Maybe 20 years ago, we're just like, oh, it's just computers and IT systems. And you go into the bank and you do something and you walk out and you don't care. The average person doesn't care. But now the average person does. And I think that's really interesting because you're going to be sharing some of those insights about the human side of data as well as, as sort of some of the, the more complicated technical side at our upcoming Data for AI Week conference, which is an online conference we're running from September 14th through 18th. 2020. And it's focused on all the data side issues around AI. So it's data labeling and data preparation and data engineering and sourcing and generating data, but also all the other data considerations. And we are so lucky. We're just incredibly lucky to have Jad sitting on one of our panels and, and participating in our data considerations in banking and finance for AI. And Part of the reason why we're so excited to have you participate is because you have some really interesting perspectives. You know, coming at it from a chief data officer at a bank in a financial institution, people might not be thinking that you're spending a lot of your time thinking about the human side of data. People might be thinking it's all transactions and, you know, you're talking about due diligence and like looking at the records, but really there is a huge human factor to it. So maybe you could share with our listeners here on the podcast, and we encourage, by the way, all of our podcast listeners to register for the Data for AI Week conference at Data AI confconf.com. It is free. It's a free event to attend. So we know we have tens of thousands of listeners. So we encourage you all to listen. But anyway, as a preview for that event, maybe you could share some of those insights into the human side of AI. Yeah, you know, I, I think, Ron, if you think that through the journey we've been on, you know, we're facing an exponential growth in terms of the use of technology. And then, you know, and actually technology has evolved the exponential thinking and the capabilities that exist out there, both in organizations to use internally and externally as well. And and then through that, a lot of thinking has been really around, you know, how the technology is evolving and then using the technology. There's a lot of focus around the customer experience with, you know, every single company out there, you know, that that's interacted with. There was a lot of focus on that CX, you, you know, companies they hired, you know, they created roles for uh, chief experience officers and all of that. But all of that is really important. But I, I think the experience has been really focused on the digital interactions that the customers are having with the company. But 
you know, there are factors. And the reason why it's, I truly believe when I think about it a little bit more from a human experience, it goes a little bit beyond just uh, thinking in the interactions that the customer is having with me through an interface, either through a mobile app or a website or, or through a voice or whatever channel the customer is interacting with you. But the factors that you need to think on beyond that experience is, you know, factors around trust, you know, factors around the relationships that you build with the customer, you know, the emotions with the customers. And really those, you know, usually you don't get to kind of understand them right away. And I think we're seeing a lot of the aspects that you're talking about today in terms of, you know, or, you know, customers are becoming a little bit more aware in terms of how organizations are using their data. You know, they're becoming curious, you know, and all of that stuff. So I think the future for companies, you know, is to be able to focus around, you know, helping, you know, their customers understand, you know, how technology is helping these companies help the customers themselves, how data is being used to support the customer experiences. But also look in terms of how companies, they need to use the data and the capabilities to allow the people that they have to focus on the areas of trust, the areas of relationship, you know, the psychology that the customers that they go through. And then usually these things, you don't get through a digital interaction. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of thinking around, you know, collecting psychographic information around the customers, you know, and a lot of that, it becomes really important. And then taking the customer into consideration. And I, I truly believe at some point, I think empowering the customers to have control over their data, you know, and then and the use of their data is going to become more and more critical as well. But, you know, if, you know, if companies ignore you know, the, the human side of the aspect and the trust, the relationships that you're building with your customers and the transparency factors, I think organizations are going to fall short. And I, I think that really, if you think about it a little bit more internally in terms of the education that you're going around internally to help your organization evolve around, you know, the data culture thinking, the data literacy, understanding how using the data, I think that that also needs to apply to the external world, to, to your customers. Either, you know, and if you're in a B2B or a B2C model or other model thing, I think definitely that needs to be part of your thinking. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. You know, Ron and I have been talking about this for quite some time about data and how it's changed over the years, you know, and how I think both businesses look at data and how users and consumers look at data as well and how they look at their own personal data and what they're giving away to companies and what companies, you know, have and don't have. So it's interesting to continue to see it evolve. And I think that, you know, we do need to have these conversations and everybody needs to be thinking about this in order to really move forward into the future. So it's interesting. I'd like to get your perspective on how has the bank's use of data changed over the years from data collection, data governance, data management, you know, kind of the whole data life cycle. How has that changed? I think in the banking industry, you know, data has always existed. You know, I think the evolution of the use of data has changed, you know, over time with the more capabilities that it existed to work with different types of data, variety of data. But, and, you know, in the regulatory environment, in the banking, you have to use data to help the customers in, in many aspects. You know, you know, how do you continue to be a solvent as a bank? You know, how to avoid fraud, all of that. You know, evolved, and then as uh, public policies evolved, you know, banking evolved with that as well to help support all of these aspects as well. And then I expect that it's going to continue to evolve. And then I think lately we're hearing more and more about privacy aspects and all of that. I think we need to continue to be ahead of the game. I think organizations, you know, in the banking industry, they should be looking at forming the future of the public policies around versus waiting for 
some of them to be influenced on them. I think there is an opportunity for us to play a role in helping to shape all of that. And you know, if you go back to my earlier point around the human experience, I think if we start kind of paying attention to that, you know, more and more, we'll be ahead of be proactive in forming a lot of these policies. And the use of the data is evolving in many aspects around understanding your customers, you know, understanding the needs and the wants of the customers, you know, versus hey, I'm just looking to assess the risk and then maybe provide some allowances, you know, for for our customer needs. I think. A lot of that thinking is evolving, you know, how do you streamline your processes? You know, a lot of companies, you know, they're looking at it and then we are, you know, operationally, how do you continue to streamline the processes? Look at the data where the indicators tells you that you have inefficiencies and make that part of the culture and drive your operations based on metrics to continue to evolve and then, you know, have a process improvement as well. So I would say, you know, a lot of the data used has evolved. A lot of the thinking and the culture's has evolved with it. I think the competitive market in this space is driving a lot of companies to think, you know, a little bit faster in terms of how they want to evolve in this. And and then I'll I'll say, you know, recently the pandemic that we're living in is just it highlighted to many organizations the criticality of the data and the speed to help provide, you know, customer support in a speed that they've never experienced before. And then, you know, and having to rally to do all of that in a quick matter. And I just love to hear the stories that from my peers, you know, in sales and others, you know, like one story that I love is one of the salesperson in our organization. He mentioned to me, it was, it was amazing for them to be able to answer the customer calls, you know, around helping them through their PPP journey, you know, through that support. And then, you know, focusing the conversation on the customer needs and wants versus trying to figure out where the PPP application in the process for the customers, you know, that information was available for them on their fingertips. So they were able to create the confidence with the customer to say, hey, here's your application. It's in the process, you know, feel good about it. And then, but let me try to understand what, you know, how you're doing, how's your business, you know, how's your employees, kind of focusing more on that kind of the relationship side, you know, to figure out if there are other areas that we can help support these customers. So I just love the, to hear these stories, you know, that how data and digital and integration capabilities has enabled these employees to be empowered to focus on that relationships aspects with these customers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we actually had to go through that experience as well. I mean, most small businesses here in the United States, if not maybe all small businesses here in the United States, applied for the PPP loan. Of course, if you were really large, you were not supposed to get it. That's a whole other story as to who was actually getting the loans. But I have to say that the PPP loan process opened up a lot of people's eyes to the inner workings of the bank because when you're doing routine things like making deposits and making withdrawals and maybe even some routine credit card things and merchant account stuff, banks, they've been set up for a decade to handle that stuff really well. But, you know, when something new comes along, right, this is about agility and responding to change. You know, when something new like the PPP loan comes about, banks don't have those systems already in place. And you could tell very quickly because, you know, Kathleen and I have have exposure to many businesses and, and, you know, we're personally involved in small businesses. And we could see how one bank, you know, can handle the process really well. They will get the application. And, you know, within the course of a week, some banks actually approved the loan and funded the loan, which is great. Other banks took like a month, over a month. Our bank took over a month. I'm not going to name names because if we did, this bank would not be happy. But let me tell you, we are not happy with our banking experience because it was obvious and we actually got some inside visibility. It's funny, we actually ended up talking to one of the chief data people at the bank and they told us that's because there were humans involved in every step 
of the loan process, you know, every step from looking at the loan application stocks. And of course, that meant that we had this problem. We had no visibility into kind of where things were at. We didn't know what there were problems. And of course, the bank was overloaded. You know, they couldn't handle the volume because, of course, as I mentioned, every small business in America was applying for this loan at the exact same time. And there were deadlines. There were hard deadlines. So everybody was just rushing, 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 rushing. And I think the indication for us is that the banks that were able to get ahead of it were the ones that had already invested in automation that invested in online systems, that invested in things like chatbots, that invested in process automation tools, invested in natural language processing. And all of this comes down to investments in technology and data. And at the end of the day, the customer is happier, things move faster, the banks are more efficient, everybody's happier, right? But you don't want to be scrambling, handling things on paper. It's kind of funny, you know, when we were thinking about it, like how did banks 100 years ago, before computers, how did banks know how much a customer had in their bank account? They had a document, they had a physical ledger, right? <laughs> Think about the differences, you know, in moving from, a, from one bank to the other, it was very difficult. You had some lock from that perspective. Now people can move wherever because the information can move wherever, which of course makes it both an opportunity for banks, you know, in terms of efficiency, but also a challenge because customers like ourselves can just decide tomorrow that we don't want to be banking anymore with our inefficient bank and we'll find a more efficient bank. So, you know, how have you seen maybe specifically at Fulton Bank, but maybe also more broadly in the banking industry, because I'm sure you talk to your colleagues and your peers, you know, how are you seeing the application of AI and the application of automation and these other cognitive technologies, natural language processing, computer vision? How are you seeing this impacting processes? And before I get to this point, Iran, you know, I think you mentioned some really good points, but, you know, one thing that you know, I've been, you know, and you've heard me from the beginning, you know, advocate for the people like the biggest assets that, you know, banks have is people and technology. And the one thing that is in addition to the evolution of the technology, I think having the skill set that is available to react to these type of speeds, it becomes critical. So if even if you have the technology, if you don't, you know, and I'm sure if you have the technology, you've evolved your skill sets to allow you to do that. But I think, you know, continuing to enable the skill sets of your organization to be sharp and then not having a large gap, you know, between where you're at today and then where you need to be to be able to execute to the level of speed that we've noticed in TP. I think it's really important to think about the talent aspects, you know, that you've helped your organization evolve to get to that point to allow you to be nimble and then move quickly. And uh, and I think that that's a pretty, you know, I think, you know, for mid-sized banks, you know, like our size, you know, I think it becomes more and more critical. And then, you know, I think one way we've been trying to do this is in addition to the implementation and the investments we're doing with technology, we're always trying to explore and then test and learn and then, you know, and evolve our thinking around where new areas and include different people from the organization to be involved, part of that to continue to keep their skill sets sharp, you know, and then ready to be able to have that mindset of thinking and the culture around these things. Because if the gap is too large, you're not going to be able to leap really quickly. And I think that was a big factor for us is, you know, we've been trying to keep our skill set of our talent to the next level. And, you know, it, it definitely it was an enabler for us, you know, during PPP. But I hope that it provides a little bit of another angle that's really, really critical in that aspect. Yeah, that's really interesting insight because it's funny, we talked about the human side of AI and data, right, for AI and when Kathleen's questions and our questions, and we were thinking about things like privacy and ethics, but actually you really meant like the people working at the bank. <laughs> 
kind of actually an angle to the question we hadn't thought about, which is like the human side of data is not just like the human impact of data, but like actually which humans at the bank are working on your data and do they have the skills and knowledge and experience to know how to handle data, which is an interesting perspective on that. Hmm. Yeah, and I think if you have your skill set, you know, ready in that space, man, I think, you know, when you start looking at the AI and the machine learning, you know, I think you're going to be a little bit, you know, ahead and, you know, in adopting and moving in that toward that space. And then I'm not talking about just the technology and the skill set in the space of, you know, the, the technical aspects in terms of the skill set and asking the right question in terms of the way you approach the problem and then try to tackle it. You know, sometimes you hear these people, oh, we're not going to use the data, baby, because there's data quality. And then they avoid using the data. But if your organization is trying to think, okay, what do we need to do? And asking the question to solve this data problem, you know, if I'm not selecting the right information or something is so that thinking and that skill set becomes completely different approach that impacts the way you evolve in your thinking as an organization and then your adoption to the next level of complex thinking, you know, that's require higher complexity in terms of the questions and then the way you solve through the, to those questions through machine learning or AI, they can evolve. And then really that becomes a really foundation, you know, to help your organization evolve quicker towards these capabilities. Yeah, you know, this has been some really great insights on this podcast, and I'm looking forward to discussing it further at the Data for AI conference, and in particular, your panel, the Data Considerations in Banking and Finance for AI. As a reminder, the event is taking place September 14th through 18th. It's a virtual conference, and you can find out more at dataaiconf.com. That's dataaiconf.com. And Jed, I'd like to end this podcast today with a question that we always ask our guests. What do you believe the future of AI is in general and its applications to organizations and beyond? You know, if you you ask me this, I'll say, uh, you know, I think the future of AI is as long as it's focusing on the human evolution and keeping that in mind. I see it to be embedded in everything we do on a daily basis. I think we need to feel comfortable as a human with it. We need to have a seamless experience with it. We need to trust it. We need to be ready to that evolution. And then we need to be ready to enable it and then work through with it. And I think it's definitely an exciting future. I love it. You know, I get so excited about that, you know, but at the same time, I truly believe that we have a tremendous amount of responsibility and thinking, you know, beyond just technology about AI. And my hope always, as we see some cities and, and some uh, countries that they brand themselves around technologies. I'd, I'd love to see, you know, uh, cities in our you know country, they will start branding themselves around bringing human and, and AI together and then evolving, you know, their educational sectors around that, their, you know, both the public and the private sectors around that and putting investments, you know, to bring all that thinking together. But definitely it's the future. And I think we're going to see more evolution in that space. And then I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, in the front of this and then, you know, part of this journey. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it definitely is part of the journey. And I, and I think that's part of the reason why we're so focused on the data setting. People talk, you know, this is the AI Today podcast. It's not the Data Today podcast, right? But, <laughs> but we spend so much time talking about data because at the end of the day, what we're asking machines to do is we're asking machines to be helpful, right? They're not taking over the world, although unless you listen to Elon Musk and others, you know, who might think that's the case. But really, I mean, this is technology to help us all run our lives and perform our tasks better and more efficiently. And specifically where we're asking our current evolution of machine learning and AI systems to do is to give us better insights in the data we have, help us make better decisions, 
and learn from the data to help us spot the patterns and find the anomalies and do the predictive analytics and you know identify things because it's hard for us as humans to do that with like you know zettabytes of data look at I mean you, that we were just talking earlier about the PPP process humans are easily overloaded and machines are happy to do the same work over and over and over again at certain levels of reliability so you know while this podcast is about AI and machine learning it's actually really mostly about data and that's why we love having people like you on this podcast and I think that the title of the future you know chief data officer and data science, that is sort of like the promising, you know, employment path for those who are listening here. We love developers too, but guys, the value is on the data side. So, so Jed, yeah. <laughs> did you want to add to that? Yeah, I would say, Ron, I think if you think about our today, I think we have many people there, what I call they're skating at the surface of information. You know, they're not going in depth in the amount of the processing that needs to come up with a good logical, more scientific you know, results to that. You know, I think the importance to enable AI is we don't want the AI platform or the program or the infrastructure to be running it's skating at the surface of information. We want them to be enriched with a really good information and data to be able to help kind of evolve our thinking, our experiences and all of that stuff. So I think your point around the data, we need to get a solid information and data to enable better AI experiences and then better AI capabilities. And then I'll go back in order to get to that point is it's really relying on you know, kind of the way organizations take it internally and then kind of reflect on that and what do they need to do to evolve their data. It relies on kind of the thinking that I had with my initial experience out of college working with that CFO is having the vision, having the right questions to ask of your information and how you continue to evolve that information. And then you look at the, the influence of that CFO, you know, it influenced me. I'm here today. But, you know, I think it takes that type of thinking. And a lot of that, it comes from people. And then at the end of the day, if, if we're not able to get to that level of thinking, we're not going to help the AI, you know, become in a better state to help us on our journey. So I think that that's a definitely a critical foundation in our thinking and how we approach it. Yeah, you know, that's been some great insights. And we're really excited to continue this conversation at our Data for AI conference, September 14th through 18th. So listeners, we encourage you to check that out as well. And Jad, thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Kathleen. So listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. As always, please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to our conference, dataaiconf.com. Again, it's free to register and attend. So we encourage you to register and check it out. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.